Fellow knowledge seekers, I hope you've had a chance to listen to the Waterline podcast on iTunes or in your Android podcast app. People ask me all the time, Shane, what's the future look like? Are we going to flourish? Are we are, are we going to drive ourselves to extinction? Are we going to destroy everything? Are we going to create heaven on earth? A big part of that incredibly complicated question is water. Water is absolutely fundamental to life. And knowing what is going on with water, the various technologies, the economics, political, social, behavioral, technological, and environmental aspects of water around the globe is really fundamental to understanding questions like that. And if you guys are into science and learning about things that affect our lives and the world, which I know you are, I believe the Waterline podcast is for for you. I just finished a episode called Water for All Regulation all about comparing the different regulations in different areas like the Israeli water law passed in 1959 and comparing how their system of of regulating water compares to California's model of regulating and how We might work together to figure out the best pros and the cons of different systems all around the world. Very, very important stuff. Please check out the Waterline podcast on your Android app and at the iTunes store. Guys, I'm super excited for today's show. This is uh, one of the funnier episodes that I've done. Uh, You may know my guest from many being a guest on many other uh, comedy podcasts, if you're a comedy podcast fan, which I imagine you probably are if you're listening to this. Um, And she also has her own podcast, Indoor Kids. Uh, Emily Gordon joins me to talk about her old job as a therapist and counselor and her new book, Super You. Um, And it's a really great episode. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. I wanted to quick share an email with you that I got from last week's guest, uh, Nina Rubin. Um, the the uh, Gestalt Life Coach. Um, she wrote me and said that she loved doing the podcast and got a message today from a friend of hers in Denver who said that a co-worker came in and heard this great episode of, of um, my podcast with a girl named Nina Rubin in it. And um, Small World, they didn't even know that um, they knew each other or whatever. But anyway... Uh, she also said, went on to say that she got an email from a pr- uh, potential client. Uh, one of the listeners reached out to her and inquired about um, hiring her services. So that is awesome to hear. Anytime you guys are supporting my guests, you're supporting the show. I think I find really good, interesting guests and uh, that have a lot of stuff worth supporting. And everyone likes validation, so it's nice when my guests get stuff like this from you guys, and um, and that only helps me get more and better guests, which is one of the biggest challenges of the show is getting good guests every week. And one of the ways that I do it is through referrals, through past guests that I've had on is is one of my easiest ways anyway that I get guests. So that helps me out, and also, you know, it makes lets me know that people are 
listening to the podcast and yeah all around good feelings so i appreciate you guys for uh, all of your support and if you enjoy this upcoming podcast um, make sure and check out emily's book super you which just came out this week so or or last week rather um i'm recording this um in the past <laughs> more time travel jokes ahead thanks for listening are we yes where are we here why are we here not entirely clear we are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all it's immensely bizarre here we Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, a uh, good friend of mine, very special guest, Emily Gordon, Hi. is joining Hello. me. Um, I I don't... How many comics have I had on now, I think? Or people involved? In, do yeah. you consider yourself a comedian? I don't. I, some people, I'm often described that way, and I'm very specific. Like, I don't think... I am not a comedian! Yeah, no. Like, that's a stand-up to me. I'm not... I, I could... I'm barely a performer, because I don't really perform live that much... So I don't know what I am. I don't know what I am. <laughs> a talker? Me either. A talker. <laughs> I'm a talker of words. Um, uh, well, you're very involved in yes. in the comedy community. We produce uh, shows at Meltdown, yeah. and, which is on Comedy Central. Yes. And, and now I just produced my one show. I used to produce all the shows there. Now I just produce the one that's on Wednesdays, which is now a TV series for Comedy Central. Yes. And where can people watch that? Oh, you can go to, uh, if you go to Comedy Central's website, which is cc.com, and put in the meltdown where the, like, it pops up. And I think it's also on the Comedy Central app, on iTunes, I believe on Amazon as well. Yes. Okay. One, seasons one and two are there. Awesome. Um, and it's, it's uh, if you're ever in L.A., by the way, it's, it's the cool, hip fun LA show <laughs> that everyone wants to get on and be a part of and it's always a blast and the audience is if you're uh, as a comedian the audiences are ridiculously awesome They're and so easy great, right? and I yeah, don't know yeah. How, I don't know how we do that there's um, a lot of cool shows but we I feel like our audience is maybe like the most awesome yeah yeah they're great um, so you're on, I, I invited you to come on this show because you used to be a therapist. I was, right? I was. I actually haven't, you're my first, what? uh, I, I haven't had a therapist on the program yet. What kinds of people have you had? I usually have like, um, like a lot of like evolutionary psychology and biology Ooh. and neuroscientists. One of my favorite classes in college was an evolutionary psychology class because my brain had just never clicked on in that fashion. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I used to be with a neuroscientist, and I know like I am. Oh, Now cool. a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, two people that explore the brain in different ways. Very different. <laughs> uh, very, very different ways. So what was your background? Um, I have a bachelor's in psychology and then went straight through and got a master's degree in couples and family therapy. Um, and then from there, you have to get licensed in any state that you're in. So I was licensed in North Carolina, Illinois, and New York. And how long did you practice for? About almost seven years, a little over six years. Um, yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. You seem so young. It, it, it'd be, it's, it'd feel weird to me. Like, going, did you see like older couples and stuff? I would sometimes see older couples. <laughs> it was weird on both sides because teenagers were like, you're barely older than me. What are you doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the parents of those teenagers were like, who put you in charge of this? <laughs> and then when I started seeing older adults, they were like, how could you possibly know anything? Uh, and then I started working with people with schizophrenia and they were like, you're good. <laughs> Oh. We'll take it. <laughs> so I, there were, I, it was varying reactions. Uh, but I feel like anytime people are like reacting to that, what they're reacting to is I don't want to be in therapy. And right, I'm going to do right, anything right, I can right. to discredit what you say because yeah, I don't want to yeah, think about yeah. it. I'm pretty defensive like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I was, I, I mean, my first therapy experience in life was as a troubled teen. Yeah, which is what I work and with. Yeah. <laughs> my, my parents, it was like uh uh, it was like the third time they caught me with the marijuana. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they brought me in <laughs> to this, uh, you know, the therapist who was actually, I mean, I was pissed mm -hmm. that I had to go. Sure. And um, didn't enjoy it or anything. And was, I wouldn't say I was completely honest by any means, but I wasn't completely dishonest. I sure. wasn't just lying the whole time either. Well, and that's good. Was it helpful for you, do you think? Well, it was only one session, and <laughs> then he brought my parents in oh, okay. afterwards mm -hmm. and was like, maybe you should just ease up on them. Like, maybe it's not that holy big of a deal. <laughs> that's I, the holy grail. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that, that was an awesome therapy and the session. I really yeah, enjoyed. and your parents are like, what the, what did we just spend money on? Yeah, yeah, them that we're wrong? yeah, therapy's a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of malarkey. I, we knew I, it. And I will say, I certainly had clients that I could tell their parents were bringing them in because the parents just wanted a, the kid to be a certain way. Yeah. And then I would have uh, to spend time with the parents being like, you don't get to... Like, you can mold a kid, but you can't force a kid to be how you want him to be. Like, one, I had one parent who wanted their kid to be, like, an outgoing sports kid. And the kid was, like, a nerdy weirdo. Yeah. Nothing wrong with him. He was just a nerdy weirdo. Like, you yeah. can't therapy a kid into being a sportsy kid. Uh, you just kind of have to accept the kid you have. <laughs> And then I would have some kids that were addicts. I love that a parent brings that. Yeah. It's like, uh, fix it, doctor. We have a serious yeah. problem. My Please my boy, it. he won't play football. He it literally was like I, I want him to be more outgoing uh, with the kids at school, and I was like, well, he is outgoing with his friends, and they was like, no, I want him to get different friends. Like, well, are they? Bad are they bad influences? Well, they're they, they play video games together. Well, this is not a thing that's worthy of bringing a kid. <laughs> no, that's therapy. the problem. Yeah. They, they, they aren't doing yeah. drugs. They're a bunch of lame asses. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with them. And then I would have I try to buy him beer. He won't drink <laughs> anyway, it. He won't, won't have sex. Uh, he wants to. Uh, the and then I would have kids that were addicts, and then I would have kids that just had tried, experimented with drugs, and gotten caught, and were kind of dumbasses about doing drugs as a kid yeah, yeah. Uh, which to me is a different thing than being an addict like yeah yeah being caught or like i like i was always like you cannot drink and drive i don't think you should drink but what you cannot do is drink and drive if not for any reason other than that is how you will get caught and you don't want to get caught like right. you want it to be a thing that you can do on your own because you're a kid so i tried really hard to work within the parameters of like what kids are and what they're going to listen to. And what they're going to listen to, which is not a whole lot of what any adult says, really. Yeah, I can't... I wonder what would have 
needed to be said to me. I think about stuff like that all the time. Yeah. To not drink or try drugs when I when I was a teenage. I'm I'm not sure there's anything in the world anyone could have said. So then, if that's the case, then like, what can we do to make it a safer environment to make it feel less like a cool illicit thing and just like, well, I'm just gonna do this thing, but it doesn't have to be the centerpiece of my life. I would work with kids on that. Like, you can like do you can drink, but like if it's the coolest thing in your life and like nothing else is as important as that let's maybe start thinking about other things you could do because nah. yeah, yeah 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 that's that, that's good advice i could have used something like that I, I i think if it maybe would have not been so demonized in the first place yeah. or if someone would have been like you know you can smoke weed once in a while and it's not that big of a deal and exactly maybe you don't need to do it all day every day <laughs> or if you want to do that for like a couple of weeks and see how it goes and then maybe try not doing it again for a couple because like once i was just like i just like went crazy with everything yeah. because i was like i was so um i felt very smothered yes and kind of controlled and especially and I had, if you tell me i can't do this i'm gonna do it twice as much oh, only yeah. because you told me i couldn't do it yeah and then yeah. it was like yeah i was one of those kids just to go overboard i mean i am naturally an adrenaline junkie so i did have that aspect of me yeah. as well but um i was i was like a nice young man and then i after a while i was just like like when my parents wouldn't let me like it's like i would i would before drugs or anything and be like hey can i stay out with my friends drinking coffee and playing cards at perkins and oh, I was like, Perkins. no, you can't do that because there's... <laughs> oh, I forget that they don't have Perkins I, everywhere. Well, they don't have them everywhere, but they certainly had them in my hometown. Yeah. Where are you from again? I'm from North Carolina, and we had a couple of diners, Waffle House, Perkins. And the Perkins, you could order um, a full bowl of maraschino cherries, and they couldn't charge you for it for whatever reason. That was like a weird <laughs> loophole we figured what? out. <laughs> so we would be hungry and have no money. And we would go and order a bowl of maraschino cherries and be like, that's right, you got to bring it to us somehow. We don't know how we figured out this rule. Or maybe they just would do it because they were nice people. But (laughs) then you just eat maraschino cherries. (laughs) That uh, I've never heard of such a thing. In what part of North Carolina? Winston-Salem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been through there. Actually, I did a one-nighter in a real divey place one time. And it was, oh, who, who knows? I, I, I have no idea. We only recently got a comedy club. We didn't even have like an official comedy club for a long time. And yeah. now we have one. And it's just like David Koechner was there fairly recently. And I, I like keep up with it because I'm like, it's my hometown. I want to know what's going on. But yeah, we were not great with the comedy clubs for a while. Yeah. Well, there's let's see. I mean, I just did Myrtle Beach in South Carolina mm-hmm. recently, but I haven't I'm not sure I've ever performed in North Carolina at an actual club before there they is. don't have great ones i think they're working on it but they don't have great and ones. then Asheville's supposed to be such a cool place yes. but they don't really have like a regular club or they have like a club that does like shows yeah. regularly on like a saturday night yeah. but it's not enough it's to all like rock venues worth. which yeah, is always yeah, yeah. what and when i set up shows in north carolina for kamel to convince them to come home with me uh <laughs> yeah. i usually set them up in rock venues because it's way it's way easier yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Perkins. Yes. Um, I, I so it was like I, I felt so restricted as like I'm not. It was like I wasn't getting into trouble. I just wanted to like hang out with my friends and. But now it I was will. <laughs> a little late. Yeah. So it was like, well, why should I listen to anything yeah. that that you have to say? I loved and being out late as a teenager. I was entranced. I was like enchanted 
by being out super late, even though there was nothing to do and nothing going on. So I was, I actually haven't read about this, but um, off, off of, off the air, but off of the podcast, one of my, uh, one of my guests, um, Marty Hazelton was telling me about how um, I, they, they've done a, a bunch of studies and have determined that that's just the natural sleep cycle around that age. Oh, just really? Teenagers just tend to yeah. um, be a little more nocturnal. That's interesting. And so forcing them to go to school at like such an early hour and everything is just not nearly as, that's not their productive time mentally. Wow, that's really interesting. Because yeah. I really, I did stay up. I would stay up all hours of the Me night too. and I, in ways that I couldn't even possibly try to do now. And I also, I remember asking once, our, our school started so, so early, and I remember asking in some official capacity, like, literally, why do we start this early? And I was told that our, our high school shared buses with the middle school and the elementary school, mm-hmm. and so they had to be all start in a manner that they, every school could use the buses. Every, like, middle school, high school, and elementary school could all use the same oh, buses. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, that has nothing to do with what's good for us. It's <laughs> right, literally right. just like, well, you got to come in early because the little kid's going to come in later. What is that? What sense is that? And I had this like grandiose, like, I will fix this somehow. And no, I didn't. Yeah, I yeah, didn't do anything. No. Yeah. Well, there's all these things like that. Like there's this, um, there's this interesting study and um, I think I read it in a book, Thinking Fast and Slow. That's uh, about how... Um, it's about kind of um, ego fatigue or whatever. Basically, throughout the day, your your brain wears down when you're doing a lot of thinking, and you got to take x amount of breaks right. and eat x amount of times. And and so they did this um, fascinating study where they they took a, they were trying to determine why people were getting some people were getting approved for probation and some people weren't. And wow. and so they just took this huge, huge sample size, and um, just decided it, because it would seem they're like, what is it a race issue or is it? Because um, it seemed people with the same exact cases and history were getting two different results, mm-hmm. and and then they just broke it down by time of day. That they were hearing the probation cases. Yeah. And oh, what they no. found out was, so apparently it takes a lot of cognitive effort. It's, it's much more cognitively tasking to approve someone for, for probation because there's a lot more decisions involved. There's a lot more considerations to make. Well, if I approve this and then this person goes off and murders somebody, then that's on me. And so ah. it's just like, and then it's like more paperwork rather than just stamping deny. And so, oh, shit, that's so upsetting. in like the beginning of uh, like when, when people are well rested and they've just eaten like, uh, so like right after lunch or whatever, they've had a break there. They got food in their belly Um like seventy five percent of people would get approved for probation. That's so sad. And then it would just start going down oh, through <laughs> through the day until at the end of the day like, just no, no one gets probation. It doesn't matter oh. who you are, what your what your case is. I, I mean there uh, of course so individual sad. differences. Sure. But you know, when you take like patterns. That I also imagine too that people are thinking, well I've approved a few today. 
I have to not approve. I have to reject some of them. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that idea yeah, of like yeah, yeah. you are aware <laughs> that you've approved of some, or if you've rejected some throughout the day, you're like, well, I gotta approve some. I've been way too nice <laughs> today. I gotta exactly. <laughs> Whereas those cases don't. They don't know that. Like those cases aren't. What am I a hippie that. all of a sudden? <laughs> I let all these people out. Yeah, I, uh, that's very very sad. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's just got to be a million things like that. That I mean, we're learning. Hopefully, right. we'll be able to construct a better society. As we're we're just like ignorant of a lot of yeah. this. Stu- a lot of it's just not very intuitive until yeah. you study it and and hopefully understand. And, then, and I think so much of with with teen development is like that, where it's like they now see that you know you hit puberty and it, this is like a big thing in evolutionary psychology, where it's like. You are supposed to like break off and rebe- like. One hundred percent. These people are trying to stop you from yeah. fucking. Yeah. <laughs> and now's the time. To exactly. <laughs> the know. only way you know what those boundaries are is by testing them. That's right. just how it goes, and that's them auditioning to be grown-ups. Like yeah. that's all we get. Um. So, it, did you like that? Like, and how was how was that compared to? Well, it's like a totally different. It's interesting that you get a degree in um, uh, in. Uh, what was your degree in? Couples and family counseling. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Because um, that seems like two very different things to go from, like, troubled teens to then doing, like, marriage counseling. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I think it's, like, the idea is, like, family dynamics, period, or, like, the thing you focus on. But I found, personally, that I working with families was so much easier than working with just couples because when a couple is to the point that they're coming into the room – for the most part, they're already gone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. By and large, they're already done with each other. <sighs> they just want you to t- tell them this isn't working, so then they have like an excuse. Oh man, to leave. that's uh, yeah. As you're saying that, I'm so my one other therapy session in life, and I'm not, I should be in therapy. I just don't sure. know. I gotta like. Everybody look at should my be in therapy insur- all the time. Oh yeah. And blah blah blah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I my one other time in therapy was uh, ex of mine dragged me into her therapist's office to talk. Dragged me then, in is the key term there. Then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was not looking forward to it. Now I would. I was. I was pretty close-minded about that kind of yeah. stuff. This was probably about seven years ago or so, six years ago. Um, and I'm, I'm very interested now. I would like to get in therapy and, and should, and I just keep putting it off. Um, but anyhow, I got dragged in, mm-hmm. and um, and then I just kind of explained the situation um, <laughs> as I saw it, and then, and then the, therapist, like, the therapist like, "You're right, Shane." Uh, yeah. Just like the one before. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Up on him. Come on. That's exactly Are what happened so again. And I was like, "I love therapists. Therapists <laughs> <Yeah>. get me." <laughs> That I just need to funny. go in and have someone tell me how right I am because <laughs> After everyone else in. is making me question myself. I always ask Therapists couples that uh, when they would come in and be like, who was dragged in and who wanted to come in? Because it's very rarely we both wanted to come in. It's almost always we wanted uh, one wanted to come in, the other didn't. So I kind of preferred working with families because I felt like if you have – suddenly when you have a child involved, and the, especially when the child's in the room, you're like, oh, we're in this. We're in this for the long haul, so we got to figure out how to make this work. Right. Whereas right, couples right, right, come right. in with 
uh, tell me how to make this perfect now or else I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. That's like the, it's a very different way to start off. And that's what I was going to say was looking back now, that was like the point of the relationship that it was like we were trying way too hard. (laughs) It was, and then it ended up like from that, things got a little better for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then like we moved. To also, we're like, we're going to do a fresh start. We're going to start this thing oh, no. all over <laughs> oh, again. And idea. then <laughs> it just fell apart immediately. I definitely had that where it was a, I was in a couple, the and we moved to a new state. And we're like, oh, this will be good for us. And we didn't move for that reason. But we're like, this will be so good for us. And then we got there. And without like social supports around us, and it was just the two of us, we just... We our relationship ate itself alive. Like there was no way for it to survive yeah. at that point. Uh, I don't know if it was a good idea for us to move. Although ultimately it was a great idea because it kind of obviously led to all this. But um, yeah, it's it's rough. I really like talking about the dynamics of couples, but I think overall I enjoyed working with families and working with teenagers more, just because mm. I felt a little more. I felt more surmount. There's more hope there. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Yeah. Uh, I worked with people with schizophrenia for a couple of years and that that's rough because you're not just, you're not, there's no, like, you're not helping them to like get an apartment and like secure their new job. Like you're kind of helping them with basic life skills and kind of, they're going to be in the system forever because they can't function on their own and you just have to help them within that. And that's, it's a little. So what, what is that? See, are there, cause I know people have like schizophrenic breaks yes. and then s- come back and out of okay. them yeah. and then are there like varying degrees of functionality yes 100 percent. there are there are some people that are just regularly don't want to take medication because the medication is does some pretty fucked up stuff to you on yeah. top of helping control the negative stuff it also kind of makes you fat makes you really lazy makes you just kind of brain foggy all the time and i totally get why people wouldn't want that yeah, um, yeah. the clients that i worked with specifically were ones that were often uh, were homeless or had been homeless and this was now their home or they had family and all their family had kind of, I hate to say the, given up on them, but basically had, were like, I can't take care of them anymore. You got to do something. And this so, is like an institution. Yeah. It was an old hotel that they turned into a home for 270 people with schizophrenia, which is a lot wow. of people. How many yeah. rooms were in that hotel? It was literally, a ho- I mean, it was so like, is it like two bunk per beds room. and stuff like uh, that. No, it was like a dorm room. Basically it was oh, like, okay. it was two per room for the most part. And, uh, it was it was a wild wild fun experience and also very intense. So what what's because I was I mean I guess I I don't have a fully formed idea of exactly what schizophrenic behavior is like because yeah. it seems to vary and I don't know if like the way it's portrayed in movies and stuff is all <laughs> all that accurate. What, what's what's like a lot of the common um, behavior that you would see? It's a lot of. Uh, it's mostly a lot of delusions uh, about the world that you're very vocal about and uh, hallucinations and seeing things and hearing things, a lot of hearing voices. Um, I think a lot of people think it's somehow weirdly split personality, but that's not even slightly what it is. These are people that just are feel tormented by what are often described as demons, like things are just, even if it's a good voice, if it's a bad voice, it's just voices kind of talking to you and it becomes very hard to control your behavior. And there are some people that manage it quite well with, um, with medication and don't really, and when they have breaks, they kind of know they're coming. And then when you start adding on depression or you start adding on addiction or you start adding on developmental disabilities, which a lot of my clients had too, 
then it's hard to even understand what's happening to you because it's so many other things are happening as well that it's just a mess. It's just a, a mess for you. Um, I have what I think is maybe a controversial opinion that I think a lot of a lot of the dis disorders, mental illnesses that we have that are like diagnosed now are we created those diagnoses by looking at people that had issues and seem to have the same issues over and mm -hmm. over. But those were all white men. And we did this back yeah, in the 40s yeah. and 50s. And so a lot of our standards, and we've improved a bunch on kind of like expanding these things, but a lot of our standards for what mental illness illnesses are are based on what white men experience and not what women experience, not what black men experience. Yeah. Um, uh, well, that's a big problem with, I'm sure I've probably talked about it on the show a couple times now, maybe not though, but, but, uh, but that was, they talk about that with antidepressants, how they would only test them on men because women's ovulatory cycles are, are hard to control for. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and especially in rats that ovulate every four days. Yep. Um, it's just, it's, it's, so it's just like, well, that's, women are pain in the ass to study. They're so, just nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so women are just crazy. It'll just be easier to, because, because guys are a little more like just the 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 same kind of state, yeah. The whole, for better or worse, for better or worse, uh, yeah. And and um and so, but then the, what they find out is that it, you know with now new information mm -hmm. comes in and w women process depression differently than men do. Surprise. Women seem to experience it on higher frequency. Like men get angry, women get sad. And, and, and yeah. it seems like it's acting on different parts of the brain and different chemicals. And so you're giving women stuff that's only been tested yep. on men. It's just completely And that's insane. true for therapy too. Like the way that women express their emotions is different uh, than the way that men express their emotions by and large. And some things that are considered healthy I would think in a woman uh, are deemed as being hysterical or insane uh, when women do it because it's uh, men that we're working off of. I also I like saw hysteria is a, right? such wandering a funny the, yeah, yeah the, the, all the wandering crazy thing. yeah. And I think I had so many clients, especially when I worked with people with schizophrenia, that were young black men who were depressed and angry, but to me. I don't think that the di I don't think the diagnosis of schizo schizophrenia was appropriate for them. And again, this is I just worked the best I could within a system. I wasn't like going down trying to burn the whole system down, but I I just think it's interesting that is it possible that the way that black men specifically are taught to be a man and kind of be culturally are taught to carry themselves right. Is it possible that when, when they're depressed or when they're sad, they're taught to squash that down in such, to such an insane degree, so much more than white men or anyone else, that perhaps there's a version of depression that looks like schizophrenia to other people? I don't know. There, there's absolutely a world where that could be possible. I just... Uh, well, it, we all have different, different like, kind of mechanisms in our head, like different kind of characters yeah. in our head that, like, you... We all have to wear these many hats in life. If you're, you have your show producer hat, you have your guest on a podcast hat, and your daughter hat, and every, Got everything. A lot of hats. Yeah. L lot of hats um, and very fashionable lady. Mostly for tourists because it's LA. And if if you're taking one of those. Um, personalities and squashing it and mm -hmm. repressing it that much i mean it, do, it doesn't seem completely crazy that yeah. i mean that's what they say with um 
uh, with PTSD, like Oliver Sacks, who uh, unfortunately just died recently. Rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. He, uh, he, in his book, Hallucinations, he talks about um, PTSD uh, and how looking at the difference between these people that would do the exact same things and kind of went in, went through the same traumas and they would come out and they wouldn't have, they wouldn't show any problems and have all these normal lives and these people with PTSD and, and what he seemed to think was the big difference and, and what seems to have been studied, the studies seem to show is that it's the people that are like talking about it and writing about it and are open about it are the ones that are working through it and able to man, manage it and people people that don't want to talk about it and don't want to tell anyone, don't want to tell anyone about these visions or whatever, these visions, as the more you repress them, all of a sudden they just start popping out into like your physical reality. Right. And, And that doesn't seem too unlike what schizophrenia is like, where it's like now there's a voice popping yeah. Into your Although like, schizophrenia doesn't always come from any traumas whatsoever. It's just sometimes in your genetics. Right, 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 right. Nothing you can do about it. I, I think that's what I always try to tell people when, especially with trauma, is like it's going to come out somehow. Mm-hmm. You either have a choice in how you get to have a hand in how it comes out, or you get to just watch as it comes out of you. It's mm-hmm. gonna come out at some point in time. It may come out in your anger. It may come out in art you're making. It may come out in crying. It may come out in PTSD. I don't know, but it's going to come out. So wouldn't you rather like to have a hand in how it comes out? Um, There's a really great article, I believe, in the New York Times this past week about the horrifying uh, amount of suicides that are happening in soldiers returning from war and and how our VA network is failing these guys and not getting them the help they need, these men and women, of course, uh, not getting them the help they need and how they're kind of – they've started putting – Google spreadsheets together to like contact each other because they're like you just need to be talking about this and if you don't want to do it with a therapist that you feel like doesn't understand here are some other people that have been through this and obviously you experienced it on your own but just get it out of you yeah. somehow it's so crazy it seems like a lot of the same people that are like support the troops and like super happy to rush into war and everything yeah. are are not so happy to uh, to uh, are they, they seem to be like the pull up your bootstraps kind of people like yeah. when you just shake it off <laughs> shake, shake it, it off. off it's fine it's fine which by the way it's not like we had so many addiction problems and veterans that came back from previous wars yeah. now we're trying to address it more head on and people are like well what's wrong with these guys are old guys seem to handle it okay no they all became alcoholics and yeah, were miserable yeah. like that wasn't a great way to handle it either we're just trying to be more open about it now uh, it's it's absolutely fascinating the stuff that we tr- as a society try to do to put any kind of mental illness away from us. Like it couldn't possibly have anything to do with us. It's somebody else. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. So why shouldn't they be fine? Um, but it's all of us. It's it it's every single. If anyone is mentally ill, it's happening to all of us. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, did you ever notice that? Um, did you ever? So you met with family and stuff of schizophrenics? When they would come in. Okay. Because there's there's mm-hmm. been some research that it seems that, um, like you said, it's, it's a genetic yeah. um, thing a lot of times. And so, so there's this question, if it's genetic, why hasn't evolution weeded out this thing? What benefit could there be for it? And it seems like, uh, I, I think in like, you, you know the the Netherlands or there, there's a few of those countries that take just enormous 
uh, like amazing records and census and, and they've tracked things for years. Mm -hmm. Well, they went around and tested all these different, observed all these different families that had schizophrenic people and it seemed like, um, like a lot of the family members had high rates of um, schizotypoid yes. uh, behavior. Yeah. So like very religious mm -hmm. often and often um, like, like not just going to church for, you know, having faith and event, community. Right? Like, like this is, no, th this is not a metaphor. This is literally every word of this is true and you have to live to the letter of the... Yeah. I, I was curious if you happened to uh, notice any of that in families. I think but sometimes, I mean, obviously it's just very anecdotal uh, right, right. things, but I, I definitely would notice a lot of uh, black or white thinking in the family members of people with schizophrenia of like things are either all this way or all that way. There's never any, there's no sense of nuance. Uh, some kind of harsh family, although it's hard to know having a family member with very intense mental illness can change a family also, so it's hard to know because I'm seeing them after the fact what was there before and what wasn't. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, there's a, I believe it's the diathesis stress model. I might be saying that incorrectly, but there's a model of like, maybe the genetics are present in anyone's, in, in your brain, but right. that sometimes it takes a stressor to kind of unlock it in yourself. Yeah, like epigenetics exactly. response. Yeah, and, there's like, and so some people have like a different threshold. Exactly, yeah. To activate that Absolutely. Gene. So you could go through your whole life and not have anything crazy stressful happen to you, and then so your any schizophrenia would not develop in you, or you could have had something very traumatic. You could have an you know an addiction, uh, and any of that could kind of trigger it inside you. So I think uh, it's always interesting. I'm, tr I'm just thinking of like a, a couple of families I have known that like the parents have been very kind of cold and aloof, and black or white. Sometimes religious, some some not but like a lot of black or white thinking. Um, and then, yeah, they end up with kids that have kind of disorders and it's not their fault, that's how they are, but it's a combination of genetics and being raised in an environment like that that can kind of, uh, can sometimes end up making, making these things happen, for sure. Right. It's complicated stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is incredibly complicated. I do have a, I, I have a question. Um, mm. I mean, this isn't going to be any less complicated, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, but I'm very, very curious about this. Um, I do a lot of psychedelics, okay, and <laughs> and so and and that's uh, you know one one of the kind of warnings mm -hmm. of, about side effects is that there's sometimes psychotic breaks or it can. People say if you're kind of prone to schizophrenia anyway, it might be the thing that triggers it. Did you hear any stories like that or, yes. or have some stories like that? I, uh, the one guy who became a glass of orange juice, haven't we all heard that wife's tale? No, maybe not. Maybe that was local. Uh, that's a joke story. I, I heard a story about a kid... And it was like a local thing for us of like a kid who took acid, thought he was a glass of orange juice. I and think just I heard it. that yeah. when I was a kid. The orange juice kid. <laughs> and he always wore a hat juice. because he didn't want to spill. I thought that was uh, so funny. I didn't hear that part. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to make sure and spread that one around. It's like a meme before the internet. I don't know. Somehow we all heard about that. Uh, I, I definitely knew of uh, a young man. I had a client uh, when I was working with people with schizophrenia that when he was a young man, he was on uh, a lot of drugs and had something very traumatic happen, had witnessed someone die in front of him. and While on drugs? Yeah. 
and had not Ooh. and was done like after that he since and I was just kind of reading through his file one day because he'd been there for like 15 years and since he was 20 he when that happened he was like in and out but mostly in uh, institutionalized care from that and it's not to say that that could happen and it's not a reason to not do drugs it's just like and that's the thing that I maybe we don't even slightly understand yet is that something could happen and it just kind of I hate that like and then you snap if you're ever tripping <laughs> Don't watch someone die in front of you. Do your best. Be <laughs> like, safe. If someone starts dying Be in front safe. of you, just close your eyes. You know? And then I, I feel like I don't ever want that to get turned into this is why people do those drugs. Because uh, it's not that either. It's totally fine to do those drugs. But I suppose it is something that could, could definitely happen. I had, a friend, I had a friend who had a psychotic break while he was, uh, while he was doing drugs for like weeks at a time mm. i think honestly his brain just got tired and it just kind of kind of came flooding out yeah yeah i don't know i mean i've gone i've, I've tripped as hard as a person can <laughs> and uh i've seen some real crazy stuff yeah. and i always come back just do you always fine. have a sense though when you're on drugs that like i'm on drugs to have a good time i'm doing this on purpose this yeah. is not my reality yeah there's only uh, people always ask about like the bad trip or whatever and i only had one ever and i did uh, the most insane amount of mushrooms um <laughs> imaginable um that's uh, like i did um it, it, what, what is it they say they say if you have like like terence mckenna or whatever says if you have like five grams you'll have like the breakthrough mushroom that's which is like that's two or three times more than what a normal person would yeah. take and i did like <laughs> about 20 grams no um well i did it in two different times i did it i did like 10 and then it was great and then some and then another group of people started tripping i was like well that went so well and then i just dropped another one feels like a mistake (laughs) (laughs) i I was a pretty reckless uh person and yeah i hadn't eaten or anything oh my god yeah and and forever and gotta um, take care of that body yeah, and I really lost it for about five minutes. I like couldn't see or hear anything, it and I was just in this um, roller coaster in yeah. hell, um, <laughs> and everything was like screaming. And um, so at that point, you weren't you weren't even able to come like remind yourself of anything. You were just in it. Mm, I was like, I was like, uh oh, you ate too many mushrooms. I was, I, was, I was like, I was like, oh dear! You well, you lost your vision. Just have that as an app for people. <laughs> just your voice going, uh oh, yay, too many mushrooms, <laughs> and you can just press it over and over again. I want that my, to be my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I? Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Um, and that's yeah, terrible. but it only lasted for five minutes, and that's I was good. back to normal. It um, was actually three years, Shane. You understand <laughs> that, right? You. <laughs> There's like all this time dilation and stuff. But I I do a lot of like DMT and stuff, so I've seen like all these you know weird your different brain worlds. Sounds like it's quite resilient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, but I mean, it's always like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's the dancing purple lady that I'm used yeah. to seeing, and like, yeah, I know I her. Think that people maybe ascribe too much meaning to the experiences they have while doing that's drugs. the thing yeah. i always know that i'm hallucinating yeah. 
And like, I like think it's really entertaining. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's neat that my brain you can do that. You take drugs to have a good time. Yeah, yeah. If you're taking drugs to have some sort of epiphany about how you feel about your mom, maybe that's not a good reason to take drugs. You know what I mean? And, you know, back to now that I'm thinking of it, of it, and, and yeah, that's I did fall into a <laughs> bit of that when I was uh, when I was a kid, and I like blew up people's mailboxes and stuff. I was I was a you real, were a bad kid. They yeah, should have brought you back yeah, for therapy. I was, it sounds yeah, like I, was. I, I did tell the therapist everything, um, but but speaking of resisting, uh, a lot of times that is when I see the people have the most trouble yeah. on psychedelics is when. You're like, no, no, it can't be. It can't be real. It's like, well, it's, it's not real. It's just That's a, why you took drugs, buddy. It's just what a hallucination. Doing? Yeah, yeah. Just like, um, you know, yeah. it's 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 usually it's people that meditate or whatever that do that. Mm. Then, like, I've given like the other day, I gave a couple people that meditate every day. I gave them DMT for their first time, and they handled it better than. Anyone I'd ever seen. Interesting. That's very and, interesting. And because um, they're kind of used to letting stuff come in and go out. Yeah, and, like, you just, just, you with just can't like align too much with any emotion. A hundred percent. Yeah. And just you know, this is That's a passing thing, and and um, so so yeah, I don't. And who who knows if who knows if um, you know? I, I just had. Um, uh, I guess there's there's an app called Headspace for meditating, and mm-hmm. I, I had. Uh, uh, Andy Puttycomb is the founder. I had him on the podcast recently, and he was he was talking about they're trying to get meditation into schools. And there's this other. I just went to see this guy R- Richard Davidson, who's a neuroscientist in Madison, give a talk about it. And um, yeah, it it could be if in the future that that we're you know developing minds in a different way than this weird school system that I went through that didn't do me any good, really. Yeah. It was like, why doesn't he pay attention in school? It's like, well, why? it was, why would I why have? I? Yeah. Like, I didn't miss anything by I think screwing off in school. The kids that do well in school, which I was one of those kids, I was a, I was behaviorally a, a bad kid, but I, I knew how I clicked into the system easily, and I didn't, I got that it was... This makes me sound smarter than I was, and I'm, I wasn't that smart. But I clicked into, like, oh, I just need to do these things, and, I, and then outside of this, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, like, yeah. I'll just do these things, and then they'll leave me alone. And I've picked up on that, and I was a good enough student that when I did get in trouble, they would be like, but she's a good student, so we'll probably let this one slide. Like, and yeah, that was great yeah, for me, yeah. but I, and that's all the only difference. I, I was like, I'll just do this stupid shit. And I, I managed to click in and was able to do it. Enough. I just never could. I think that's yeah. what like wrecked me, and that's why I was like such a. Rub- I, I mean, I realize now as I'm older, but yeah. I was like sure. so much torment when I was young because I was like also like strictly religious, yeah. and I never bought into that, and I always had to like play you have along. All these fucking rules. You're like, why am I? What am I doing with my life? And it's like, how come no one can make any sense to me? So it's like, <laughs> I'd get done with school. It's like, no, this doesn't. It's not. None that's of this is important. Bummer. I'm pretty sure it's lies and then i'd have I'm to go to sure church it's all lies. <laughs> and then yeah. I'd be like oh no there's more, more lies. lies oh crap and i'm supposed to play along with that it. is a good and point that having tons of structure everywhere i think would end up kind of exhausting you where i didn't have a my parents were not my family's not super religious and i got to like just run around and, and kind of do what i wanted in the country like it was like yeah a, yeah. yeah i, I had my friend that had like the loosest parents they were they weren't like 
cool mom and dad, like right. we're gonna buy a beer or whatever. Right. I Mine had were that like that, one. yeah. But I, I, I had a friend like that too, and he didn't. Those are not great. Uh, no, <laughs> but um, but the one that was just like, oh, you know, you gotta make your own decisions and blah blah blah. He was always like, yeah, he would party yeah. a little here and there. Never got out of control. Yeah. Never like got into fights or got uh, and you know ended up. Always had great grades, has an awesome job now, very well-adjusted person. Yeah, yeah. um, My parents were, like, mostly, they were just more in denial. They were, like, I had cut the screen on my bedroom window, and I said it was because one time I locked myself out of the house, and I was like, but don't fix it, because I'm busy. Don't, I don't have, <laughs> but truthfully, I was just sneaking out every yeah, single yeah. night. I would lock my bedroom door, and I would sneak I out, know, and then I would sneak back in. Like, and, and I feel like they, they kind of knew it in a lot of ways, and they were like, we haven't heard anything bad that's coming from this. And I wasn't doing anything crazy. It's just that my friends like to hang out late at night, and so did I. So yeah, they yeah. kind of just let it go. And that right. was I was very grateful for that. Um, so I want to talk about your book oh, yeah. before we, uh, so we have we have a little more time here, but we're definitely um, in the tail end-ish. Um, so, so you have a book coming up. Well, by... I'm going to release this. The plan will be to release this the Monday after your book comes oh, out. Oh, great. What, what's, so my book is what's out. What's the date? <laughs> uh, September 30th is when September it's out. Although pre-orders okay. are already shipping out, apparently, because I'm getting people tweeting it at me. So, awesome. Um, yes. For um, you, this means nothing, because it's the future. It is the, <laughs> it's the future. Now, wait, what? Oh, no! Don't think about it too much. Break. Just let it go. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, so your book is called Super You? Yes, the book is called Super You, and it's a lot of the stuff we've already been talking about. It's kind of an outcropping of that. Uh, it's literally just like a self-esteem and self-improvement guide that is funny, but it's not a joke uh, self-improvement guide. It's, it's literally about accepting yourself as you are, figuring out who that person is, figuring out the person who you, figuring out who you want to be, and then taking concrete steps to kind of move towards that. That's is, it. Is it... Does it have, like, a comic book theme to it at all? A little bit. It's a little bit superhero-themed because for a couple of different reasons. Uh, You know, it really should be about sports and football. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. I'll go back and change it. Please don't put me in therapy. Uh, And that kind of came from a couple of things. One, I'm obsessed with origin stories. I always have been. And it's become such a thing now in movies and stuff. Like, it's not enough to know, like, we need to know where midichlorians came from in Star Wars. Like, who gives a shit? But it's a thing suddenly that we have to know. Oh, I know. Well, I watch Game of Thrones, and yeah. I'm like, I want to see the Mad King. When yeah. are they going to go exactly. back and, and do that one? I love origin stories, and I feel like, especially superheroes, have these very, like, kind of concrete laid out, like, Batman watched his parents die in front of him, and then he became Batman. He could have just as easily been institutionalized for the rest of his life or been a sad drunk oh, yeah, or yeah, yeah. been anything, but he became Batman from that origin story. So I think everyone <laughs> should give up all their money, <laughs> go, go, in, <laughs> go into the streets and, and infiltrate the criminal underworld. Yeah, come on. I, I would like if that was like, that's, <laughs> that's your book. You just Here's lay the it plan. Off. You pick a criminal organization to go after. We each take one. We can wipe them all out. Um, who's taking on ISIS? We each take one. Yeah, you got to delegate. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, I have to assign them? Yeah, this is, the next this is, um, I like that that your book is, is just, uh, um, you're just organizing a really weird citizen's patrol. That's right. But with 
uh, and we're gonna dress as superheroes. Oh, 100 percent. You gotta sure. have a costume. Yeah. Uh, but that's I kind of was obsessed with whatever the story that you tell yourself about yourself and how you came to be. Like you were a troubled kid, yeah, raised yeah. in religious. Who does that make you into now? And a lot of perfect. Us, yeah, exactly. Right. A lot of us are telling ourselves. I've created these origin stories for ourselves that really don't give us the benefit of the doubt and kind of paint us in a really shitty light. Mm. They're often what other people have told us, who we are, our parents. Some of us are still acting like who our parents think we are is who we are. So I just want us to take a little bit more care and time in creating our origin stories for ourselves and being the ones to kind of write those stories um, and being the ones to create ourselves yeah. rather than letting other people create us or just being whatever the fuck we think we are. Let's create ourselves. So that's really the kind of main idea of the book is like you get to create yourself. It doesn't, right. it doesn't mean like, you know, change your body, lose all this weight, whatever. It's like you get to create who your identity is and you get to create how you feel about yourself and you get to create who you want to be. And so many of us are just going through life on autopilot and kind of like, oh, I'll just figure this stuff out later. No, I mean, this is the time. Now's the time. Uh, Every day's going by. I had something, I did, um, I, I did, <laughs> speaking, oh man, this is, I'm, I'm really uh, sharing way too much. <laughs> I love it. Um, I was a pretty good therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, um, I did ayahuasca with uh, Zach Sherwin last weekend. <laughs> and, I really um, wish I could have been there. That's and, a great group. And we were, we were hanging out afterwards and we were talking and I was talking about like some things that like I was, because I, I was like, I was like trying to communicate things to my non-conscious to like implant memory, uh, like ideas yeah, for, on like improving my ways yeah, to improve my life. I don't have anything about that in my book. And I, I went through. Oh, I know. I'll, I'll get to what. No, I'm saying like I was like my book is one chapter is like just do drugs and then tell yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you make changes. The book that I'm going to write <laughs> is going to be illegal. Um, uh, but, but I, I was. At one point, I was like, oh, you know, start because I started drinking again in May, and it's fine. I haven't been like out of control with. I'm like drinking like a normal person, mm -hmm. but still, it's like I'm not as productive as I was. So anyway, so I'm like, do this, do that, and then I'm like, oh, and just work harder. And then I'm like, wait a second, no, no, you don't need to work hard. I'm like, I think you're working hard enough. And then I was realized, I was like, oh, you're always beating yourself up for not working hard Ooh. enough. Why are you doing that? Interesting. And then, and then I was talking about it with Zach, and it's like, it's like, yeah, why, why are we, we don't like beating people up. Why are we beating ourselves up? Oh, that is something I do talk about in the book. Yeah, negative self-talk. Like, why, that, if you heard anyone talking about you that way, you would be furious and upset. Exactly. And yet you, we put up with talking about ourselves in the most horrifying ways. And yeah. One of the lines that I came up with from it was like, when you're a kid, you need to be taught First, you need to be taught to start, like, to treat others the, the way you want to be treated. But then when you're an adult, you need to learn to, to treat, treat yourself? yourself the way you would treat others. Oh, that's beautiful. I know. Very, very true. Thanks, yeah. Ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I talk about turning that voice into, kind of externalizing it and turning it into a villain in some ways. And, like, that's what you have to fight. Because I think yeah. some of us think the call's coming from inside the house, so it must be true. No, it's bullshit. I it's know. just bullshit. It's so much bullshit. You don't have to listen to it, it turns out. You don't have to listen and like glean, like, what's the lesson in here? The lesson is you don't have to listen to it. That's it. And I mean, then the some of the things that you think are going to make you happy are lies as well. Absolutely. And those things aren't going to make you happy. So Absolutely. It, there's a million lies in your brain. Yeah. And, and so especially why 
listen to the negative one. I, I think about that sometimes with like, I mean, it's like this everywhere, but and especially the comedy community because like where you're at mm-hmm. is is like just imaginary, really, oh, and like imaginary. very foggy, and it'll be like people will be like, screw that Chef Dunham guy. It's like. Well, he's not taking work away no. from you. He is a no. puppeteer. You're yeah. not a puppeteer. Very different thing. You're yeah. comparing yourself to this imaginary hierarchy. You've constructed an imaginary hierarchy and then put yourself at the bottom of it? By the way, you're always at the bottom of it. That's how it always ends up being. Like, yeah, no matter yeah. what, you're always going to end up putting yourself at the bottom, and it's completely pointless. If you're just imagining it, just be the king of it. Just sit down <laughs> on top. It's your imagination. I have definitely watched, especially also in, com- in comedians and every- in all kinds of people, I've watched that obsession with where everyone is on this like weird hierarchy just eat them alive just eat them it just it can destroy people yeah yeah it's really because then you're not focused on what you were doing everyone feels it from time you're gonna feel it you absolutely are you know you get get the stressors and everything and you're worried about money coming in and then yeah anytime i'm like why does that person have a tv spot like Within seconds, I'm like, what did you just say? You're such a moron. Yeah. I intensely try really hard when I get hear good news for other people. I Even if I have to, like, shout myself down, I'm like, good for them. That's great. They did it. That has nothing to do with me. Great, great, great. Because otherwise, there's a little voice being like, why didn't they ask you to do that? And you're like, what am I doing? I know, I know. There's so much. and, And it's also like, it doesn't. It doesn't even make that much sense because the more good comedians there are out there and the more that good comedy is being exposed and more people are going to go to shows and there's going to be more demand and then there's going to be more spots for everybody and there's going to be more ideas and more creativity and we'll have more fun and yay, let's all hold hands. Um, Kumail once heard a very, very famous actor that I will not name, but an incredibly famous actor was sitting at a table and was talking about uh, his performance hosting SNL, that it had just happened, and he was like, God, I did such a bad job. Oh my God, I was the worst. Wasn't that so embarrassing? I was the worst, wasn't I? I did such a bad job. Oh my God, so many other people did it better than me. This guy did, and he was like, oh no, this never stops. (laughs) Uh. You can be like the most successful, at the top of its game, this actor is can be at the top of your game and still fucking just be torturing yourself. It won't ever stop. So you, the, just stop it now. Like, you have to start ignoring it now because it won't. you won't ever get to a point where the voice shuts off. It's just it finding... You, I mean, you just have to f- find... You just have to tweak those you things inside yourself. You have to find the volume and turn it down. That's really all you can do. It, it is so... It's weird to find that balance because it is... I mean, I do believe... I, I mean... I sometimes sometimes it sounds a little too like hippy dippy lovey dovey for me, but I do think that you do have to change your own inner narrative and your own perception more than what you're trying to do when you're outside. Like 100%. if I buy this, then mm-hmm. I'll be happy. Um, but there is it's hard to it's hard to know because you definitely you still need to be out here and live this life yeah. and work and do things and find yeah. motivators and, you know, reward yourself from time to time. So it is difficult to it find. It is a tough balance, but I'm definitely, I'm a big uh, supporter of changing that narrative. Cause I think for, for me for a long time, the narrative I had created for myself was just, it, it, it was a horrible, if anybody 
I wouldn't let anyone talk to any of my friends like that. And yet it was just like, oh, you're just this disgusting creature. You're, if, if you're a fraud, everyone's going to figure it out. What am I doing? Why, why is that the story I'm telling myself about myself? So I, I kind of, I had to take the time to start constructing myself a little bit more, um, with a little bit more like grace and, uh, you know, a little more kindness to myself. And it helped tremendously. To think of it as an origin story is such a great way of putting it. It just makes the idea click so much. I mean, I have jokes in like, like my last... Oh, no, I haven't recorded this, but I, I have a, a joke about like my most salient memory. You, you know, you get those memories or like from high school or whatever. You're like, oh, you're stupid. This I mean, you're just talking about yeah. it. You know? And... Mine, mine was that um, <laughs> I intentionally gave myself an erection in like gym shorts to like make myself look bigger, hoping that oh, this girl no. that I had a crush on would notice. Oh, and it God. is horrifying oh. to this day that I have to remember that horrible decision that I made. Did she notice? But <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure it was like, what the? Yeah, nobody wants to see those no, when you're that age. Nobody, nobody can handle it. Nobody wants to <laughs> see that so in like math class when you're trying to. Uh, oh God, that's horrifying. Yeah, it was horrifying, but it was. I was. It was 20 years ago. Still there. And I was. She doesn't remember. No. Well, oh yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) but but, uh um you know it's just like it doesn't matter it just simply doesn't matter and those are like the things that you dwell on so much i had a girl in middle school uh, one of the most popular girls in in my middle school and this is the name of my tumblr this is where the name of my tumblr comes from that uh we were waiting for rides and it was just the two of us were both like leaving early that day and she just stared at me for like a really long time and then she finally was like, do you think you're pretty? Oh, God. What a <laughs> fucked up, what a laser accuracy way to really, really fuck with someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not, uh, I was a very chubby middle schooler. I was like a not a conventionally attractive in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could not figure out how to answer her in a way that wouldn't sell me out, would be accurate, would, I had like 15 different lives went through my head while I was like trying to figure out what to say to this girl. I never said anything. She just got in the car and left. And uh, that question has haunted me. That was, yeah, that was uh, 24 years ago. That question had haunted me for 24 years. That, it's astounding. That I know. It's, <laughs> it's so incredible. I, I can still hear her. Uh, I check on her in, on Facebook sometimes. Um, she's doing terribly. It's great. Uh, <laughs> I have a few like that. I gotta, I gotta stop doing gotta that. Stop I'm enjoying it a little yeah. too much. I ended up defriending most of the people in middle school that were really cruel to me because I was enjoying too much checking on them. But I, I haven't defriended her yet. I probably should. Yeah, yeah, Ugh. like the captain of the sport team in my high mm-hmm. school. That was like. You know, the prom king and queen got married, and then now they're, like... Miserable. Like, yeah, he was maybe going to be a professional um, athlete. Did that work out? uh, I I don't even want to give too many details, (laughs) because people would know who I'm... But 
they're fat now and <laughs> not, not doing not doing very well. Um, sorry, other fat people, but prom kings and queens mm-hmm. should definitely have to get. <laughs> Uh, because just, they care so much about that and so threw so, so yeah. much of that. And for me, it's because they made fun of me so much for right, being right, that. Right. Uh, that, you know, I'm like, oh, then how does it feel? How does yeah, it feel? exactly. How are people talking to you now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, That's what, I mean, it's just, it's just a nice bit of karma. The superhero version of me that I haven't quite achieved yet doesn't feel glee from that. I know, I know, I know. But I haven't achieved that. Quite. I know. I'm still working I, on I it. Know. I'm still working on it. Uh, you know, just, ba- Batman's still working on yeah, things yeah. too. He's still, still he's not perfect yet. Yeah, just general. If they're generally miserable, and you can, and their Facebook updates are always about how miserable they are. I wish I didn't get any. Tiny, <laughs> I know. We should I not. Know. Yeah, but I okay. wish I didn't search for them specifically, <laughs> hoping to find that. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll get there. So, so what's your Tumblr again? My Tumblr is uh, it's actually emilyvgordon.tumblr.com, but it's called Do You Think You're Pretty. And people will often be like, "Why did you call your Tumblr that?" That's why. And because on that, people uh, people like submit yes. questions to you, That's right? That's what it's and become. It used to be where I would write essays and stuff, and now I end up writing essays for other places. And so the advice column has kind of become the main thing that the Tumblr does, and uh, it's been really amazing. It's been really, really a cool experience uh, for me to have. And I get a lot of questions, and I can't answer all of them, but I, I do my best to kind of answer what I can. So That's awesome. Great. Yeah. And um, we'll link to all of that stuff. And what's your Twitter? Um, my, <laughs> my Twitter handle is the Gynamite, at the Gynamite. That's T-H-E-G-Y-N-O-M-I-T-E. Uh, and that is uh, a name I picked before I really thought about what I was doing with Twitter. <laughs> I, I like when people when people get stuck with things. <laughs> like, uh, well, well. I still like it a lot. It was my dance name for a long time, uh, and you have to say "Ginomite" like that. But yeah, yeah, I had um, I had an old email um, that was there. There was this old. Um, I don't use it at all anymore, but it was. MNF and Shane and the reason was was because we had this friend in my high school who was always like he would never swear mm-hmm. but he'd always he had like a real short temper and he'd always get all worked up and he'd be like MNF and, ah! <laughs> and, he, and it was we always like made fun of him sure. for it and he was around and someone was like let me get your email I was like I don't have an email and I was just like I'm an oven chain and that'll be funny amongst my friends and but then I had to like give it to people for jobs that, and then it sounds like I'm like I'm motherfucking shame Sar- sarcasm <laughs> like, doesn't really come across in email addresses so well it, no true. not at all <laughs> um, and then I have it's like at Shane comedy on Twitter which I wish it was just Shane Moss I was so worried that people would never be able to find me because my name spelt so so crazy, M A U S S. Yeah, uh, it's know. tough. It's a whole. The whole thing is uh, is quite tough. I've definitely. There are plenty of comedians that have Twitter handles that are like, ridi- like, ridic- yours is not ridiculous or very ridiculous. I don't know. You right. just do what you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Ginomite. The Ginomite. Um, and what is the charity of the week? Oh, uh, I volunteer at a cat shelter that's here in Los Angeles called Santa Door. Um, it's S A N T E D apostrophe O R. I think that means fresh air, but I don't know open air or something. Um, but it's just a really, really lovely small nonprofit uh, cat shelter. We also have at any point in time one to two dogs, three or four bunny rabbits, 
Um, but mostly kitty cats, and we have about 45 to 50. They're up for adoption, they're amazing. We're a no-kill shelter, so you know that the cats will be there for the rest of their lives, and they'll live out very happy lives. We have one cat that's been there for 14 years. It's amazing. Awesome. Uh, I, I love being there, I love doing anything with them, and you, I love that place because you actually see, if you donate to them, within two days you see like a whole bunch of new cat carriers. Like you can actually see where the money is going. Yeah, yeah. And they're just great people, and they really love cats. I dated a veterinarian, <laughs> and she worked at a shelter for a little... She she was mostly in a vet office, mm-hmm. and then toward the end, she worked in a shelter for um, a little while, and I'd go and visit the shelter. And that was, like, for her... That was her more rewarding for her than her I regular um, yeah. vet job. And, and it is, like... Um, it, as I often think about... Because I can't have an animal, because mm-hmm. I traveling all the time yeah, it's and, tough for comedians you know, for rent sure. and blah, blah blah but like you can always like go to a shelter and like help out and volunteer and, and we also cute cats we're open stuff. friday saturday sunday to the public from 12 to 5 and we have plenty of people that come in every single week just to like pet and cuddle the cats which you're more than welcome to do yeah. and uh for a lot of people that's how they get their animal fix and the cats love it and we love when they're like socialized and around people more right so come on in you don't have to volunteer you can just show up and hang out that's awesome yeah all right, well, everybody go to the herewearepo.com, uh, herewearepodcast.com website. There we go. Speaking of dumb names <laughs> being said. No, that's great. And, and, you can, uh, and you can find out all of, all of the links to everything that we talked about, the book and uh, uh, the Meltdown Show, and the Twitter, Tumblr, and, uh, and Charity, and everything else. Thank you, Emily, so much Thank you for, for having joining me. me. You would this make a good a therapist. Have you, have you thought about going back to school for this? Uh, no, I'd be a good therapist. So. You have a you have a you have a curiosity about the stuff that a lot of people don't have. Uh, I'm a curious person. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't I mean, are you thinking about going back to therapy or are you going to stay no. in that? So, yeah, yeah. It's you know. tough. It's a very, uh, maybe one day, but eh, not anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like comedy. Okay. I like what I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening and sharing and subscribing and rating and reviewing and telling everyone you know. I appreciate it. I imagine you're doing all of those things. Next week on the program, this podcast is going to be very popular. I have a feeling it's really cool um, work and very relatable subject matter for a lot of folks. Um, we, uh, I, we talk about video games. We talk about the psychology of video games. We talk about how, um, how people learn, uh, how video games might be good for learning, how some of these programs, um, wh- whether some of these programs online like Lumosity or uh, various other kind of brain training games, um, we talk about how well they work or don't work. And, um, and, and talk a lot about first-person shooters and have some, there's some really, really interesting studies showing that people that play a lot of first-person shooters end up being um, better surgeons in some cases. And really fascinating stuff. And also happens to be quite timely, um, unfortunately, but uh, it's, it's a good time to be talking about this. Uh, the, unfortunately, there was the shooting in Oregon um, last week, and uh, I happened to, even though this shooting hadn't yet happened, it's always a part of our discourse because these tragedies are all too frequent. Um, but we do talk about uh, um, 
we we talk about video games possible influence on violence and how that's being studied and and the possible validity of that argument and um so so i think it's really uh timely and it's always nice to hear a scientist perspective on what's going on in the news rather than um a bunch of know nothing idiots yelling and making the same points over and over again um and a bunch of extremist crap so hey i don't like the news did you know that i don't care for it um anyway uh, tune in next week to sean green i stopped through madison and talked with him all about video games and oh cell phones and driving as well i forgot about that's really interesting a bunch of fun facts that i've been sharing with people ever since i know you guys are gonna dig it so thank you <laughs>